But then at some point, yeah, I switched back to Windows and I hated Windows 7. I really liked Windows 8 and I'm sort of like grudgingly accepting Windows 10. <laughs> but uh, although for the most part, it's been pretty good. Um, well, the last one I used was, I think, 7. I mean, I used Windows XP for a long time. Here in Colombia, it was not that common. Uh, I mean, at least when I was at college for MacBooks to be widespread, it was not very common. Weird. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, around here, it's pretty... Um, around here, the Mac does seem to get used a lot by like the student crowd. Um, and of course, the stereotypes about Starbucks are all true. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, welcome back. Um, this is actually the second part of episode 33, so I'm probably going to wind up calling it episode 33.5 of Spam 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 Humbug. And much as the case with last time, the subject is 2015 in review, specifically Ultima Fan Projects. Um, you know, as I mentioned last time, to ring in 2016 episodes for the month of January and maybe possibly just into February are going to be focused on recapping news pertaining to, uh, well, Ultima, including Ultima Online, um, but also the various Ultima fan projects, which we'll continue discussing tonight, and different games that have been inspired by Ultima, including Shroud of the Avatar, Underworld Descendant, and possibly Shards Online and Crowfall. Those might be the February topics. We'll see. And of course, much as is the case with the last episode, um, you can think of this episode as a supplement to the poll that's currently underway at the Ultima Codex, in which you can vote for your favorite fan project of 2015. Now, we, uh, we're joined tonight by a couple of new members, or new... Uh, <laughs> New faces, as it were. Not that you can see us. For uh, for spam, 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 humbug. We are joined tonight by uh, we've got Johnny, Johnny Wood. Hey, how's it going? And we're also joined by Santiago. Is it Zapata? Yes, Zapata. Hi, everybody. All right, and now Santiago, we actually um, we'll start with you because we talked about your project last episode, but. We'd be remiss if we didn't give you a chance to just comment on your progress on it in 2015, because you really, um, <laughs> you did a lot with it. Uh, I think I probably posted the most news about it. So I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, okay, what did you, how, how did you start the year? You were adding new spells to the game, new monsters, um, yeah, a couple of yes, actually, company. oh, sorry. Yeah. I did a, I did a lot of stuff uh, over uh, 2015 for Ananias. Um, I think it's the project I worked the most during the year. Uh, I started doing the the changes for the fellowship edition, which was like the 
premium version of the game. Uh, and yeah, I work along in January, February on it. Um, another project I, I also worked on in 2015 was and Abyss, which is the 3D procedurally generated dungeon crawler. Uh, it's, uh, of course, heavily influenced by Ultima. It's like the way I imagine uh, the avatar at the end of Ultima 4, the quest to get the, the colors of Ultimate Wisdom. Um, maybe we can talk more about that later on. Yeah, it's still coming uh, up, actually. Yeah. Um, for Ananias, I think yeah, it's, it's a completely different game, I mean, from what it was on December 2014. Um, right now, I am like doing the final changes uh, to, to take it to Steam, right? Because we also had uh, the Green Light campaign about yep. in April. Um, and yes, uh, I, thank, I thank you for your coverage because, I mean, it helped a lot of people know about the game because I think there's a lot of people reading the Ultima Codex and it's like one of the main parts where it's constantly featured. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it has been. So, and that's been really awesome to see. Um, just, yeah, the sheer amount of progress you've made and also the number of storefronts that you've expanded to because, I mean, you know, at the start of the year, it was really just the web client. Um, and I, I think you had the Android version as well. And then, yeah, the Fellowship Edition comes along and all of a sudden there's PC and Mac editions and you're not just on Google Play anymore and not just the web client anymore, um, but you're on, well, Itch, briefly on the Desora storefront. Um, and now you're on, like, what, Indie Game Stand and another one. Game Jolt. Yes, there we um, go, Game Jolt. Yeah, I think that's it. Yes, I think uh, I was able to exploit um, the technical platform where the game is developed on, on and get it to as much platforms as possible. I still owe a lot to, to the people that want to play it on iOS because I have delayed the release on iOS for about a year now. Um, yeah, it's going to happen pr probably very soon, but that's like the, the, the platform that I still want to release. Other than that, uh, it's been great being able to take it on PC, Mac, and, li and Linux, as well as, of course, uh, the Android version, which is like the main, uh, like the main version of the game. Yeah, definitely. And I see also for 2016, you've got, well, t-shirts coming up, apparently. Um, I like some of the art. I might get a couple of those. And also uh, a miniature set. Although I have to say, the one um, miniature looks like it's wax that you keep showing off in, like, uh, photos of your hand. It does not look miniature at all. It looks about, you know, the size of some of my kids' stuffies <laughs> here. Yes, I don't know how to call them because, well, they are not action figures. They are just like small statues. Okay. Um, actually, I have the prototype here. Give me a second. This is it. Yeah, that's it's the one. It's about, about uh, 10 centimeters high, I think. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm planning to, I mean, along with the release on Steam, I also plan to do the the t-shirts and the starting with this one, uh, the small statues, which I will be selling initially locally here in Colombia because well, getting them uh, to other countries is a bit difficult, right? Mm -hmm. 
So yes, I, I think uh, ideally for the first quarter, I will be focusing on, on getting an analysis on Steam and, and finishing some analysis related stuff. Well, that's as cool. As I can, yeah. Yeah, totally. And again, that's just you know more ways that the project has really like grown and expanded beyond where it was at even a year ago. So that's cool. That's right. All right. Well. So where did we leave off off last time? That's right. We had uh, finished up with Kevin, I believe. We were talking about Sylph, his work on um, his shmup for Linux. So that brings us to uh, part two, and we're going to start with, uh, well, okay, a brief mention of Ultima Return because uh, the team did post some news that they were ostensibly alive and mostly back, and they actually did release a new, uh, release a new music track. But that didn't really go anywhere. Um, the team's been largely dormant since then. Um, I do know that there's been like some background discussion going on and some background work done on systems, but for the most part, that project is dormant. Um, in like manner, um, Avatar Acid recreated Serpentile, or at least part of Serpentile, in Minecraft. And... Um, that project too is kind of on hold for the moment. He's dealing with some other stuff, which we also talked about last episode. Another one of the projects that they didn't have a lot of news this year, but they had some pretty cool news this year was Ultima nine redemption, the Titans of ethers project, which is an attempt to, um, not just remake Ultima nine, but actually fundamentally retell uh, or sorry, tell a completely redone story of Ultima 9 that bears very little resemblance to the release version in, um, you know, it's still set in Britannia, um, but Britannia as realized through the engine for The Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind, Morrowind. Although I think um, they're transitioning largely to OpenMW, the open source reworking of that engine. But anyways, bah. Um, one of the big things that they released at the start of the year was a very large height map of Britannia. So a black and white height map, which, uh, was, you know, the height map that they'd used to lay down the foundation for their, um, interpretation of the continent of Britannia. Uh, a few months later, a couple months later, rather, um, in addition to talking about Fallout 4, which Korv, the leader of the project, was evidently very excited about, um, he teased the upcoming release of a new video, which soon thereafter was revealed to be an 18-minute video showcasing a bunch of the different landscapes uh, within Britannia that had been created for the game. Uh, and soon thereafter, he released a world map, which had been marked up with areas from the video. You know, it's like, so um, at this minute, you were looking at Numagencia, and here you were looking at Paws and things like that. <sighs> a few months later, we got a look at the crafting system that they'd put together, which is pretty cool as well. Uh, but they released another video demonstration of that. And then just for giggles... Uh, Korv rebuilt their Numagencia area um, in Unity 5 and released a video of that. And the result was nothing short of stunning. Um, although 
Korv does caution that, you know, that's not actually indicative of them transitioning the project over to the new engine. It's already been in development for, oh gosh, at least a decade. And at this point, actually moving over to a new engine would probably not be the wisest thing. But that said, I mean, it still did look just awesome what he was able to create in a relatively short span of time. So... And yes, Santiago, you did talk about your work on Stygian Abyss, which you created for 7DRL, the seven day roguelike challenge, did you not? Yes. Yes, that's uh, right. And that was you, and you were working with um, Exodus Destiny, was the other guy on the project. So. Actually, Ananias was also born as a seven day roguelike challenge entry for, for 2014. That's true. It was, wasn't it? You seem <laughs> to do all your best like, work in a week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, the, that challenge is like the the place where most of my projects are born, and then sometimes I continue working on them. <laughs> so yes, Stephen Abyss was done with a friend, a friend of mine, who is he is called Camilo Ramirez, and I actually was very happy with the results. I think. Uh, that the, the project, I mean, the, the entry for that challenge uh, that I have been most happy with. Uh, I thought more people will like it, but well, as long as I like it, I think it's okay. And I managed to do what I wanted, which was like uh, based, basing myself on Ultima Underworld. I wanted to do something that was able to generate random levels uh, about the same size as Ultima Underworld and randomly, and, and, and I mean with the with the environment of what I what I imagine to be the Sigan Abyss around the time of Ultima Four, so yeah, basically I don't know if, if uh, it's basically a dungeon crawler. It's real time, in, and you have to find the cause of ultimate wisdom by <laughs> not getting lost and surviving the eight levels of the abyss, which is the main part of it. It's not getting lost because levels are huge. I deliberately decided not to include an Ultima feature because what I like most about the game is you have to like map the dungeon in your head using just a compass, that's all you have there, and points of reference around the dungeon. Uh, so yeah, basically that's that's what it is. Well, that's very Ultima 4, or well, early, any earlier Ultima. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't think any of the Ultimas really, except for, uh, ironically, except for Underworld, had an auto-map feature. Um, you know, everything was reliant on either you memorize where it is in Britannia, or you um, sketch out some notes. Um, that's actually, right. You know, the the last episode, um, just before we started, we were uh, comparing old DOS games. And I have um, over in my bookshelf over here uh, the box for Serpentile. And, uh, I mean, unfortunately, the cloth map has actually vanished with time. But what I do still have in it are all of my grandfather's notes, because he was the one who actually gave me the game. And... Um, so all of his notes and maps are still in the box. And in some respects, they're almost more reliable than the cloth map was. <laughs> but, you know, definitely, that, that's a very Ultima thing. <laughs> yes, actually, that was one of the things I liked the most about Ultima uh, when I first played. The first Ultima I played was Ultima 4 for the NAS. 
Mm. And what I liked the most was that, that you had to explore and try to put together the map. Uh, was like the most fun part for me. Definitely. Uh, I gotta say that's something I miss about modern games uh, a lot as well. Is I really like the map making process and the note taking and just makes me feel like uh, the game is a little more real. And, when you're uh, invested in it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just, just so much babysitting in games now that I feel like maybe I'm just kind of there to, to hold down the move forward button <laughs> and just uh, advance through everything. And You know, you don't really even have to find where you're supposed to go anymore because it's on the map. There's arrows floating in the air showing you, you know, go this way. Yep, there's a marker. Follow the yeah. marker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's one of the of the things people. Uh, I mean, the people tells me about the game that is very frustrating because because they get lost, and I tell them, yeah, that's just the idea, not you're getting in the lost. Bowels of the <laughs> earth. Of course, you're getting lost. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I just um, I have been lax. I have only now just purchased and started playing Skyrim. And I mean, the opening sequence is actually really good. It was, you know, it really grabbed me in and I played through it. And then of course, you know, you get out of the cave and into the, into the open wilds. And on the one hand, yeah, it's like, wow, this world feels so incredibly massive. Like, you know, just this beautiful vista out before me. And I look at the compass and I say, okay, yeah, there's an arrow. I got to go that way. Well, there, that just took all the fun out of it. Um, so I'm rebelling right now. I'm like deliberately not following the crest marker and like climbing mountains and stuff instead. Um, but yeah, it does seem a bit of a lost potential. But then again, I guess, you know, maybe we're a little bit atypical of of where the modern core gamer market is at. I'm not sure. but No, definitely. I, I think uh, people these days just don't have the patience for that kind of thing. If you didn't grow up having to suffer that way, you just—it's not something you willingly uh, sign up for. <laughs> yeah, oh, sad. Um, a little bit more on Stygian Abyss because um, once Seven DRL had wrapped, you did make a few more changes to it. Uh, I know you released version one point two, which incorporated character creation, new weapons, a new intro and ending. I believe. And then also version 1.3 that came out in April. And what was in that version? What was different in that version? Uh, oh yeah. Higher resolution, higher resolution textures. Gosh, I can talk. Um, higher resolution monsters, ranged enemy attacks, um, sounds, the walking sound, mana regeneration. So. Yes. I mean, the in, initial version was a bit rough. I mean, it's seven days of development. And so this time uh, it was good because I, uh, I was not developing it alone because uh, I had someone to work with. I basically did all the uh, map generation stuff, and I had a, uh, this friend of mine, Camilo Ramirez, Excel Destiny Dragon. He had a, an engine in JavaScript he had made, and we decided to put it to, to use. So, yeah, the initial version was a bit rough. The, the two versions that I released afterwards were a bit more polished and because the initial version used uh, graphics, the graphics from Ultima 4 and 5, I think. Uh, so it looked a bit too much like Minecraft, and well, I, I, it was perfect to me. But 
I, we wanted it to be a, a bit more immersive. So we added uh, some high resolution textures and we tried a lot uh, to find a pixel artist for the project. Uh, someone could help us with the art, uh, but we never got it. So we had to go and try to upscale the monster sprites, make them look a bit more detailed. It was, well, we are programmers, not artists. <laughs> but <laughs> at least it worked. <laughs> Well, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, now, that's the last news update that I recall reading about it. Uh, so I don't know if you've actually released like a version 1.4 or not, but... Uh... I don't think so. Uh, the, I think, I mean, what I wanted to do with the game, I think I achieved it. So in that sense, it was like um, a success for me. Uh, the only thing that I wanted to do was package, packaging it, uh, as an executable, so it ah. could be downloaded and played. I mean, because right now it's online only. Right. Uh, but other than that, uh, I think maybe for this year I will do something similar. Maybe not so strictly with my team, so I have a bit more of a liberty to add stuff. Um, but I consider it to be finished. Which is weird because I normally don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah, used to being done. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, oh no. Oh, I just tapped the end broadcast button. Darn it. Oh well. It can be resumed, resumed, I think. Can I? Well, I, I think you can do it. Oh, darn it. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Yeah, it's locked me out. I don't have another button, and I don't want to drop out and drop back in again. That's just not constructive. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Um, well, you know what? Maybe I'll try it. I'll give it one quick. I'll be right back. Okay. Oh no. <sighs> okay, well that worked. Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> okay, well I'm <laughs> I was trying because the only one that I was missing was Ultima Nine. But I did that last year. I, I did not finish it, but but I played it, yeah. Uh, no, sorry, I don't have a restart button, so that's annoying. Uh, that's too bad. I, I, well, that's all right. Some, because some people are actually uh, watching the streaming. <laughs> oh, that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, they just asked me if it's over already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to actually apologize. Sorry, my bad, fat... Fat-fingered the uh, end button. Yeah. All right. Anyways, we keep going because I don't want to waste time trying to restart this thing when that's not really the point. Um. So where do we leave off? Now I gotta cut a bunch of audio. That's okay. So where do we leave off? Right. 
Next project was uh, something called Ultima 4 Remastered. Now this was um, actually released. This was a reworking of another project called Ultima 4 Gold, which is for the. Um, uh, it was for the Commodore 64 version of the game. And uh, it was by the same guy, goes by the handle Megravolp. And basically, it's a completely reworked version of the game so that uh, it fixes numerous bugs, enhances the graphics, and overhauls the artwork for cutscenes and the character creation sequence. Uh, so he released the first version of Ultima 4 Remastered in March, uh, and that was followed up by version 2.1, uh, which corrected a few more bugs. Um, and then at the same time as that, or soon thereafter, he actually also published the source code for Ultima 4 Remastered. So that's available on GitHub for anyone who's curious. And then I think around summertime, he released version 2.2, which as of this broadcast is the final version, uh, which again, a few more bug fixes. Um, but if you have a affinity for the Commodore version of Ultima 4, this is a project worth checking out because it really um, does a lot to, like, it It makes it look a lot better. Like, I mean, it's not that, <laughs> if you like the Commodore version, you're probably not going to think that it looks bad, but there's definitely uh, a much higher quality of artwork uh, apparent in Ultima 4 Remastered. And obviously, you know, bug fixes are always welcome things, so... Another project. Yeah, um, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I just wanted to say, um, uh, Vault has also done a lot to make the game quite a bit more playable on the Commodore 64 platform. Um, I believe, and I could be wrong about this, but I know he did this with the Ultima 3 version. He took it to where, uh, originally where there were multiple discs required, he did some uh, hunting around on the disk image and found a lot of wasted space and uh, also added some compression in there and was able to reduce that down to one diskette. So that's right, he some, did, didn't he? That's some uh, very amazing work by him. Uh, can't stress that enough. <laughs> yeah, that's right, he did also um, really do a lot to yeah mitigate disk loading, you're right. And that's cool. Um, <laughs> it's always yeah, amazing how people can like find those extra kilobytes that they need. Um, you know, when we think about like, I don't even want to know how many gigabytes is being consumed by Skyrim right now, but there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, definitely worth checking out. Cause the, you know, the C64 version of Ultima four is, I mean, it's already, I think probably one of the better ports of Ultima four or one of the better versions of Ultima four out there anyways. So, um, might be well worth checking out anyways. It's not hard to find a C64 emulator. All right, next project, uh, and this one, I can't really say that it uh, started in 2015, but that's not really the point of, of this because, you know, we're more concerned with activity within 2015. Um, and this is UDI Craft, or UDI, yeah, UDI Craft. Um, basically, it's an Ultima Dragons Minecraft server. So Ultima themed, um, set more or less in a Minecraft rendition of Britannia, uh, by and for members of the Ultima Dragons. Uh, it's maintained primarily by Darkling Dragon, and so throughout the year he's released uh, a number of updates for it. Um, 
you know, just adding uh, decoration mods and the ancient warfare mod, uh, making little tweaks to the API here and there. Um, he's also, I think, released a little bit of music as well. But, you know, basically this project is, you know, if you're a Minecraft fan and you're an Ultima fan and you like hanging with the Ultima Dragons, this is worth, you know, this might be worth your time to check into. Custom, Ultima-focused, Minecraft server being pretty regularly maintained, the um, new content being added, you know, on a gradual basis, but as there's a need for it or a call for it, um, Darkling will start to add mods. And he's also really good about, you know, keeping the mods that he does add. Um, he's very good about keeping them up to date. So he'll periodically just release updated mod packs that just have updates for whatever. Uh, another project that we saw this year, actually, Sir John, um, I don't know, I think he's actually known as Sir John Dragon, but he was another one of those people who just was very, very active uh, this year. He had a number of different projects uh, that he worked on. Um, he has been working on German translations for Ultima 6, Ultima 7, and Ultima 9, and he released, um, at least for the Ultima 6 and Ultima 9 versions, he released uh, actually quite significant uh, quite significant patches for the game. Um, now, I mean, he had also worked on this in 2014, so, you know, he... Uh, this is definitely more a case of him getting back into it after, um, you know, a Christmas and New Year's hiatus. Um, but, you know, he did. He returned from uh, a fairly extended break and um, uh, yeah, just jumped right back into starting with translating of Ultima 6. Um, and I think by, got to check here, but I think by, yes, by August, he had actually basically completed um, the majority of the translation work for Ultima 6 and started releasing beta versions of his patch. Um, he also, around the same time, started developing what he called the Ultima 6 Nitpickers Delight Patch. So basically using Hacky Dragon's um, Ultima Nitpicks page as his reference guide, he uh, started working on a separate patch for, uh, I believe, actually the English version of the game that um, basically worked on, uh, or basically was concerned with, um, you know, just, yeah, fixing little bugs, little, uh, issues in the dialogue here and there. Um, so, and that emerged as an actual download. You were able to download the Nitpickers Delight patch starting, uh, actually again in August. So, um... And then as the year rolled on, um, he actually started working on a way to allow you to solve Quentin's murder within Ultima 6. Um, I don't think he ever actually... Oh, no, he did. That's right. He did actually figure out kind of a way for you to solve Quentin's murder. Um, and he also released uh, another beta version of the German translation patch. For his Ultima 7 translation, this one's a little bit more in its infancy. Um... He's actually, his main focus has been, or his main focus, at least for the first half of the year, roughly, was on translating the manual. So he released translations for um, 
basically all of the manuals, including for like the expansion pack, Silver Seed, Forge of Virtue, things like that. Um, however, he did, uh, as the year rolled on, he did make some good progress on the actual work of translating Ultima 7 proper into German and ultimately released um, a closed beta. I believe he's at beta version 2 right now and it's a closed testing group, but um, that is where that is at. So, and then for his Ultima 9 stuff, um, this one he kind of just surprised me with completely out of the blue because he didn't really post much news about it. He just up in one day released uh, two patches actually. Um, one to translate, uh, the, the text of the game and then one to translate the, uh, the cutscenes of the game. So, um, so if you, uh, prefer the German tongue and want to play Ultima 6 or Ultima 9 in German, uh, very well done translation. There are, uh, patches for that. And at some point in 2016, I imagine we will also see the uh, Ultima 7 patch come out. Uh, speaking of translations too, we actually have another one of uh, something that you kind of uh, assumed control of, Santiago, or I don't know if you were, were you always involved with the uh, Savage Empire SNS translation or did it kind of just come over to you? Because I know its website is now hosted through yours. Yes, uh, that's a project of mine. Uh, I started it, I think, on 2013 maybe. I don't know. Or 14. Um, and this year I I worked back on it, uh, kind of reviving uh, the project. Um, and I did quite a lot of advancement. Uh, still, I mean, we're still far from having it. Uh, this is the translation for the Super Nintendo version, yes? Um, and, the, and the thing with it is that the reason why it doesn't exist yet it's that the it's not a, a standard room, right? So the way the game was developed uh, makes it very hard to translate to find out where the because the text is not stored somewhere like in old RPGs, but it's all into the code and it's crazy. So so yeah, I I, I did some uh, ROM hacking uh, some years ago. Uh, I go I go back to it uh, just for this project, and it's beyond. I mean, when I when I started it, it was beyond my skills in ROM hacking. So I had to go and uh, ask other people to help me, and uh, a couple of guys. Uh, actually, I don't know how they have managed to get a lot of information on, on how the the game is structured. And I have been able to use their information to build some tools to try to extract all the text. That's like the first goal, to extract the text so that uh, another uh, guy from the Ultimate Dragons, which is Dungey Dragon, I think. I yep. don't know. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, he goes by Dungey or Dungey on like Facebook, um, but I think he's actually <laughs> Dung Dragon is his official name. <laughs> All right, so he's been like on hold because um, I, I don't know, I, I don't remember how, how we came into contact and working together, <laughs> I don't remember. But in any case, uh, he's been like waiting for this first part to be done, right? For the script to be extracted yeah. so that he can actually go into translating it with his wife. 
Yes. And then we might find a way to put it back in. It's <laughs> going to take some years, I think. Uh, but I think it's worthy it because it's like uh, the last piece uh, or the only game that has not been translated into English. Well, of course, it's the, there's the PC version, but this one, this particular one, is not. It, and it's not a good game, but in any case, it's like something that has to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's just a, yeah. So yeah, what, uh, so just looking over the, the news that we did post about the project, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly as you said, you know, you made a lot of progress on your, your script editor, uh, uh, the script extractor, rather. Um, basically just pulling little bits and fragments of game data out. And as I recall, you uh, open-sourced the tools that were used. Um, at some yes, point. that's right. I did that in case something happens to me, someone can pick up where I left. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I mean, just for... Yes, I mean, uh, it, I don't know if someone will jump into a project. Um, I haven't had good luck uh, finding people to contribute with the projects anywhere, but mm. maybe someday someone it's, may. It's hard. It is. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> getting a project team together and actually making it coalesce and then keeping them involved and working on it is, yeah, it's not easy at all. So um, I've, I've failed at it too. All right. So the... Uh, Moving on, um, oh, speaking of translations, actually, there was also a, uh, a Spanish translation that emerged this year. Uh, it's a near-complete translation of Ultima 8 into Spanish, and they also released the tools that they used. So um, if Spanish is your native tongue and you like playing Ultima 8, uh, there's an option there for you to now play most of it in, uh, in Spanish. Um, Another project that saw a little bit of work this year was Ultima 6 Online. Uh, and yes, that is exactly what it means. You can play Ultima 6 with other people. It's, you know, if you like Ultima 6 like me, it's actually pretty cool. Um, they have uh, released a patcher utility, or at least a prototype of it, uh, which basically is just intended to automate the update process for the game. So if you're a regular player or a past player or you want to check it out, you want to make sure you're going to get that. Um, another project, this one's not actually a playable project in the sense of, you know, it's an application on a PC. It's called Tales from Cesaria, and it's by French cartoonist Damien Barbin. And um, basically, he's been working on adapting the story of Ultima 1 as a three-part graphic novel. So I believe he's got two of the three parts released, as well as the cover art for the third part. Then um, you can check him out at comicbook.fr. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, I believe the comics are in English, so, you know, don't worry about that uh, if you don't speak French, but um, definitely worth checking out. He previously did a comic book adaptation of Ultima 7, which was really quite excellent. So um, definitely something that you, you probably want to check out. And uh, the last couple of projects, well, two, two other projects that came, uh, came up just within the last couple of months of the year, actually, are both Minecraft-based projects, and they're both, both um, targeting... Ultima Online fans, and in particular Ultima Online fans who really like, you know, the guild and factional and PvP uh, aspects of the uh, of Ultima Online, especially in its earlier days. Um, so there's Knights of Minecraft, and there's also Ultima MC Factions. Um, 
they, yeah, I mean, they, and they, like I say, they both kind of focus on the open world exploration, uh, the hardcore PVP, um, definitely drawing on Ultima Online for world map and things like that. Um, so if those are your, if those are to your interest, then uh, by all means do check them out because, um, yeah, if, if you like Minecraft, that is. So the last project uh, to talk about that had some significant development this year is actually your old haunt, Johnny, uh, Classic Ultima Online, formerly known, or at one time, ancient history known as Ultima 4 Multiplayer, although uh, it's not just about Ultima 4 now. Um, so yeah, kind of out of the blue in time for or roughly in time for the 30th anniversary of Ultima 4 proper, um, there's actually a new game client released, uh, and also a new game server that got spun up, um, which is kind of a really pleasant, uh, surprise. It was really nice to see something like that happen, uh, you know, to mark the 30th anniversary of such a classic game. Right. So, um, I'd actually been kind of done with the project for a couple of years, but I didn't quite know what to do with it. I was actually a little hesitant to release it amidst uh, all the news that Ultima was kind of making a comeback and uh, EA was uh, talking about doing some things with Ultima as well. And uh, I wasn't quite sure what to do there. Uh, oh, the, the Halcyon was... days of 2013. <laughs> but... Um, I was approached by a few people who were interested in getting it back up and going. So, uh, fortunately, David Bo uh, Beatty of Megawars.net uh, came forward and uh, got a server going again. Of course, uh, we had to go in and do just a little bit of development on the game to get it up and running again. And uh, I, I'm actually getting quite a lot of bug reports on it now so probably sometime during 2016 uh you'll see a, a major bug fix release for the oh, project cool. yeah because it saw um a couple more updates throughout the year um a client update and then actually i think also an updated installer got pushed out uh, and i'm assuming more work was done on the server backend but um you know, in, in terms of news that we covered, um, it was a lot focused on the client. So, right. Mainly, uh, yeah, just the installation and patching. That, that was one of the major things we had to accomplish to get it back up and going. Um, so now when you download the project, it kind of has what I like to call a, a poor man's uh, Steam interface <laughs> uh, where you actually download a tiny program that then hand you off to another graphical layer that that really downloads the project and installs it at that point and uh, also handles program repair, uh, patching, whatnot. Right. And now, like I said, it started as Ultima 4 multiplayer, but that isn't what it is anymore. Um, there is actually the possibility of playing, I believe, Ultima 1 two and three in the uh in the game as well that's right um so what you have to do is go talk to lord british um and originally in ultima 4 you could always say mundane 
mine axe or exodus to him. And he would just say something simply like, uh, mundane is dead. Mine axe is dead. Exodus is dead. But now, uh, in addition to that, he will ask you if you want to hear the story. And if you say yes, the game will basically move your character into the uh, Ultima 1, Ultima 2, or Ultima 3 uh, universe, and you can play from there. If you have those games installed as well, of course. Yes, and the game will prompt you for the original version somewhere on your hard drive. Uh, Of course, those are all available at GOG.com. Absolutely. Well, that's cool because I was actually scratching my head with the configuration. It's like, I know that I can get to Ultima 1 or Ultima 2 somehow, uh, but <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was like uh, some option that I wasn't enabling that, you know, so I wasn't getting the menu or, but okay, that's how it's done. I should, um, I should write a post up about that. <laughs> yeah. And, and really that's something I should probably also do is, is write some documentation and package it with the game. The only, the only thing it has right now is a really tiny uh, text file that comes with the game, but a lot of people probably can't even find that because it's it's buried under some... Uh, uh, there's like a GUID number associated with the project, and it's buried, you know, many layers down into the, the folder hierarchy. Oof. And, uh, yeah, if you, if you don't go exploring into that stuff you're probably not going to find the text file to read the the documentation so i need to do something like if the player types help or or slash help or something like that pop that up on the screen for them maybe some in-game documentation as well but uh you know honestly i'm i'm really kind of separated from the project now i haven't really done any development on it uh for a while uh because uh, the place I work for actually said it is a conflict of interest for me to be working on that project. And that is another reason why I never did anything with the project. It's, uh, it's just something I'm technically uh, not supposed to be working on. Hmm. And, you know, it wouldn't be the only project that's um, suffered that fate. There was actually, yeah, we were just talking about Ultima 6 Online, and there was another version of that um, called... Uh, I see even the name's fallen out of my head now. And that was being worked on by someone at Bioware. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, much the same thing. Like, I mean, I followed the project for a little bit. I posted some news about it and like screenshots when you released them. But uh, we did have the discussion once about whether there'd ever be a release of that. And he's just like, well, no, because everybody at the studio knows about it. And, you know, the doctors know about it. And so technically it's, you know, Bioware property. Like I'm, I couldn't possibly ever. So, mm-hmm. oh, well. <laughs> yeah. So the one thing is, even though I'm kind of done with the project, I do want to see it cleaned up and polished and uh, some things added to it. It'd be great if someone uh, kept adding all the other tile sets to it, um, maybe even expanded into Ultima 5, Ultima 6, Ultima 7 territory. Uh, I'd really like to see those games remade with the classic retro uh, top-down tile view. Oh, you two uh, need to talk then. <laughs> but... What, uh, and we will, uh, what I, I promise will happen sometime this year and hopefully sooner rather than later is I will be uploading the entire, uh, project to some type of public repository. Um, all the source code, everything, 
all of the assets I have and uh, people can uh, go crazy with it if they want. I was about to ask if the source was available, so that's good. Um, and my comment there just now, um, Santiago is uh, kind of uh, maybe a little over a year ago now, he started um, publishing maps of uh, Britannia as done in or Britannia as it appeared in like some of the later Ultimas um, using right. tile sets, you know, basically uh, demaking the games or the look yes, of the games. Yes, I've seen so. those and they're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, this, this is a thing what needs happen. Uh, awesome. Well, and that actually brings us to the end. Um, we've covered off, amazingly, all of the fan project news, or all of the significant fan project news for 2015. So, um, I guess before I do kind of the uh, closing blurb, be good to ask, um, where can we find y'all online? I mean, you can find me on Twitter at WTF underscore dragon. I'm also on Facebook, obviously, uh, ultimacodex.com. You can find me there. And also um, about.me. It's kind of like a, a landing page that sort of fuses my professional and personal, um, you know, anyways, links in the show notes, blah, blah, blah. Um, Santiago, where can we find you online? Well, uh, I think slashy.net, S-L-A-S-H-I-E.net, is like the hub for all my projects. Uh, my Twitter is at slashy underscore. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. All right, and uh, Johnny, where do you hide out? If anywhere. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably the easiest way to reach me is through the uh, Classic Ultima Online project page, and that is at shatteredmoon.com. Okay. Well, there we go. So, well, thank you everyone for tuning in again. Um, if you like spam, spam, spam humbug, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Podbean or, well, anywhere else you listen to us, actually. Uh, and more important than that, though, is make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, this is especially true for iTunes. It's just the way the system works, apparently. Uh, the more subscriptions, the more visibility. And there you go. There is also the Patreon. Um, I think I've explained that enough. I won't go into it again. We also mentioned GOG throughout the podcast, and you can actually support the Ultima Codex um, by buying games through GOG. Uh, all you have to do is visit the Codex first, click on the banner, the GOG banner that's on the right-hand sidebar, and then go about your business, and the Codex will get a little bit of that. It all helps to keep uh, the server online, keeps the site maintained, um, and even expanded a little bit. Actually, Dino the Dark Dragon just had a really great idea for putting together a... Uh, basically like a... Stack Overflow type Q&A um, component to the site um, because you know a lot of a lot of discussion happens on like the Ultima Dragons Facebook group. Um, you know, people come in and they're just like, "Okay, I have this question about this particular game in this series," and that's great. You know, they get an answer and it gets addressed. But then, because of the vagaries of how Facebook groups are structured and how pathetic the search feature is, um, those answers over time just get lost. They get bubbled down uh, and never show up again. So uh, his idea was, you know, it would be really cool if somewhere uh, we put together a site that 
you know, served the same purpose, ask a question, get an answer, but was more indexed, more searchable, um, like, you know, an excellent site like Stack Overflow. So um, I'm actually going to be trying to put something like that in place at the Codex in the near future. Anyways, if you haven't already, speaking of the Ultima Dragons group on Facebook, definitely worth joining if that's your social network of choice. There is also an analogous community on Google+, and there's a woefully underused UDIC hashtag if you are a fan of Twitter. And finally, if you'd like to recommend anyone for a shout-out, um, send us an email, ultimacodex at gmail.com, which you can also use to suggest podcast topics or offer commentary or criticism about episodes or volunteer your time as a contributor. Um, and on that note, thank you again for listening. And I should give my co-hosts a chance to just uh, sign off for the night. Good night, gentlemen. All right, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you, Kenneth. No, it's good to have you both. This was uh, a nice, it was a nice change of pace. It was nice to get you know some commentary about the project um, from people who worked on them. So that's uh, really quite excellent. And on that note, thank you again for listening, and be virtuous. <laughs>